And thank you, choir, Pastor Edgar, and all the people said a strong. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Well, we tried to squeeze in a lot today. Special day. You know, 600 years before it happened, the prophet Joel prophesied that a powerful, world-changing, breathtaking event would occur. This is what he said. Actually, this is what God said through the prophet Joel. Joel, I'm sorry. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. In those days. Well, those days came to pass. God did pour out His Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Those 120 faithful followers obediently waiting in that room in Jerusalem for ten long days were all filled with the Holy Spirit in fulfillment of the prophecy from Joel. And they were never the same again. See, what God accomplished through these Spirit-filled people, and again, people just like you and me. What God was able to accomplish through these Spirit-filled people over the next decades was truly world-altering. Ordinary people, you see, filled with the Spirit of God, always do extraordinary things for God. Ordinary people filled with the Spirit of God, always do extraordinary things for God. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, that was the day of Pentecost. Now time was marching on. The people who had been filled with the Spirit were about their tasks, their God-guided tasks that altered their world. One day at a time, one step at a time, one moment at a time, radically changed and radically impacting their world. The Bible says about 3,000 were added to their number that day, the day of Pentecost, radically impacting their world. The Bible says the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved, radically impacting their world. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. When I read all that, I thought, what I want to know is this. What did their church look like? I mean, that that church that that grew out of, of this time in history after the day of Pentecost, what did it look like? A church with, with ordinary people in it, filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, thankfully, we have been given a snapshot of that early Spirit-filled church. For the next number of Sundays, with a break for Father's Day and a little vacation in there, we're going to talk about what that church looked like after Pentecost. The, the snapshot of what it was, what it looked like after the day of Pentecost. 
This snapshot from Scripture that shows us what that church was like is found in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Now we're going to just talk about verse 42 this morning, but before we get to verse 42, I just want us to take a glance at verse 41. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. This is what it says. Those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. See, here's what happened. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, preached a powerful, stinging message on the day of Pentecost. And about 3,000 were saved and baptized. Wouldn't you have loved to have been there? I'd have loved to have seen that. I wonder how long that took. I always thought about that practical. How long did it take to baptize that many people? I don't know, but I would have loved to have seen it all happen. But here here they are, these 3,000, about 3,000 people. They were new believers. They needed to do something with these new converts. Something needed to be organized, even if it was loosely organized, to care for these new people. There was a need for a regular coming together, if you will. There was a longing even in their hearts and souls to be together. There was a need for what I will call, well, a church. And it was through this church that the world, up to and including today, was radically changed by those Spirit-filled followers of Christ. Now we come to verse 42. Here's what verse 42 says. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Speaking of prayer, Lord, I ask that you would fall upon us today. Teach us today, Lord. Move us from here to where you want us to be today. Because we were here today, Lord, move us to the place that you want us to be. Lord, we sit at your feet this morning. Teach us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The first three words in verse 42 are key to the rest of the whole passage. The first three words say, they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. See, these spirit-filled folks were anything but nonchalant about their faith. Nonchalant, you've got to be kidding me. There was nothing routine, nothing normal, nothing subdued, nothing wishy-washy about the way they lived out their faith. They devoted themselves to this. They continued steadfastly with their pursuit of their faith. They were disciplined about it, these first century spirit-filled Christians. They were serious Everybody knew there was no question about what was most important in their lives because they devoted themselves to this stuff. Verse 42 tells us four things 
that had captured the attention of these spirit-filled followers of Christ as their church was formed. These four characteristics that just kind of really seems to me just kind of floated to the top and became important. These four things that that formed their coming together, their, their fellowship, their worship. This is what that first church looked like. Filled with spirit-filled Christians, after Pentecost, this is what it looked like. First of all, they were devoted to the apostles' teachings. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, when I read this, I thought about my first few years in Russia. Because when I was in Russia, I gathered around us a, a... Fairly, fairly large group of my Russian brothers and sisters, my friends, my, my Russian family, great people that I love to this day. But in the beginning, it was all new. These folks that came around me, they hadn't ever been to church, they told me. They didn't know anything, they told me. And so when I would preach, admittedly a simple, sometimes weak sermon, Whatever I would preach, they would lean into it. You know, I used to say they sat on the edge of their seats. That probably was exaggerating, but I guess you would expect that from pastors. But maybe they weren't on the edge of their seats, but they were leaning into it. They didn't want to miss anything. That's what I thought about when I see they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to the teaching that was going on in those early days. See, these, these first century folks were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Well, what were the apostles' teaching? What was so exciting? What captured their attention? What kept them there on the edge of their seats every time they gathered together? Well, simply this. The apostles were teaching Jesus Christ. They were proclaiming Jesus Christ. They were teaching and preaching good news. You know, after 2,000 years, maybe it doesn't seem like good news anymore. We've heard it. Those of us that gather here today, we've heard it all our lives. This was new to them, fairly new to them, especially these 3,000 new converts. They couldn't get enough. I experienced that same thing in Russia. My new friends, they couldn't get enough. It was new and exciting and fulfilling to them. Oh man, I wish it. Yes. The first century people, the apostles were teaching and preaching about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the life of Christ, the teachings of Christ, their experiences with Christ. Jesus was all they talked about. Jesus in the morning, Jesus at noon, Jesus in the evening. It's all they talked about day in and day out. They talked about Jesus. Tell us again, apostles. Tell us again that story about Jesus. Tell us another story, apostles, about Jesus. I just can't hear enough about Jesus. That reminds me of a little boy that went to Sunday school for the very first time. Came home and his mother asked him, what was your teacher's name? He said, I can't remember, but I think she was Jesus' grandmother. He said, well, what do you mean by that? Well, said, Jesus is all she ever talked about. See, that's the first century folks. All they talked about was Jesus. He was just their life focus. 
Even Paul's sermon on the the day of Pentecost, Paul was preaching to these people that in some cases crucified Jesus or yelled, crucify Him, crucify Him. There were some of them there. And Paul was standing in front of those ones that they had before been cowering behind closed doors for fear of these same people. And now after the day of Pentecost, after being filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter, I said Paul, but it was actually Peter. I was just testing you. Actually, I said Paul in the first service, and I didn't correct myself. So I'll get some white cards about that, and I'll, I'll read them. Peter, 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 he stood up at the day of Pentecost, and he said in verse 22 of chapter 2, Men of Israel, listen to this. Then he said, Jesus of Nazareth. He started talking about Jesus. They couldn't help themselves. He was their focus. They were devoting themselves to the life-changing teaching about Jesus Christ. Not just lip service, but pure, deep, life-changing devotion. They, They heard the Word, capital W. They heard the Word. They studied the Word. They memorized the Word. They read the Word. They meditated on the Word. Christ was their clear, undeniable priority. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Second thing they did in that little church, that first church, after the day of Pentecost, another thing that just kind of rose to the surface that became important to them, they devoted themselves (coughs) to the fellowship. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. See, in Greek, the word for fellowship is koinonia. And koinonia means... Not chips and dip on a Sunday night after church. That's not what it means. Koinonia means loving, caring, and sharing. In a word, koinonia means love for each other. These spirit-filled folks devoted themselves to koinonia. In other words, they worked at it. You know what they found out? I think maybe you found this out too. At least I have. You know what they found out? That in this world... Koinonia doesn't come naturally. Loving, caring, sharing. It just doesn't come naturally. So they worked at it. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. The discipline of koinonia means that we act a certain way towards one another. And the way we treat each other actually identifies us and defines us. In the first century, the way they treated each other in their body of Christ, the way they treated each other, the way they talked about each other, the way they interacted with each other, just amazed the people around them. Because it wasn't normal. They demonstrated a loving, caring, sharing relationship this koinonia fellowship. You know, there are over 50 one another passages in the New Testament. One another passages. Here's a few of them. Love one another. Encourage one another. Be devoted to one another. Build one another up. Be kind to one another. Serve one another. Confess your sins to one another. 
Forgive one another. Pray for one another. See, these New Testament folks were devoted to that kind of stuff. And because they were, at least in part, God used it to draw people to Christ. The way they treated each other. They devoted themselves to that kind of one another fellowship. Koinonia. Third thing, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Another characteristic of that new church right after the day of Pentecost, something that that just kind of emerged to become important in their worship as they gathered together, was the breaking of bread. Now, most believe that this means the Lord's Supper, that they that they participated and celebrated the Lord's Supper often when they were together. Some say it could mean just a common meal. They shared common meals together whenever they got together, and that was just important to them. And both could be significant. Of course, the Lord's Supper is more significant, but even a common meal in the Middle East is significant. It shows hospitality and kindness and acceptance and belonging and love. It's kind of a carryover of that fellowship, koinonia aspect. But we also know by tradition and other ways that in the early church, in this first church, for decades and decades, the Lord's Supper, celebrated together, was extremely important to them. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Whatever that meant, whatever that meant to them, In the first century, they did it with all their hearts. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. The fourth characteristic of that church after the day of Pentecost, this another thing that just kind of rose to the top and became really important to them as they they formed the church. This is something else that that became important to them and described them or defined them. They devoted themselves to... Prayer. Here it is again. Prayer. Those spirit-filled folks in that first church were devoted to prayer. Life-altering prayer. Life-guiding prayer. You see, their experience with God in that room in Jerusalem for those ten days, when they were filled with the Spirit and burst out of that upper room and changed their world. That that experience drove them to their knees. Prayer. See, before Pentecost, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Jesus, you know, we've noticed how you pray. and, And we're drawn to that. We want to pray like that. Jesus, could you teach us to pray? Before Pentecost, they're asking Jesus, teach us to pray. Before Pentecost, Jesus is asking them to pray, go with Him and pray, and they fall asleep before they can get it done. After Pentecost, just like everything else, it seems like something changed. Something did change. And they were people devoted to prayer. It was now who they were. It helped identify them. It was one of those four simple characteristics of that new church After the day of Pentecost. I don't know about you, but I am thankful personally 
that prayer keeps coming up around here. You know why? Because I'm not sure that it's really sunk into me yet like it needs to. I'm not sure. I'm not quite sure that I've got it yet. How about you? Have I, God, God, have I really devoted myself to this? I mean, could you say that about me, God, that I have devoted myself to this intimate relationship with you called prayer? See, prayer in in various forms appears over 500 times in the New Testament, in the Bible, rather. 500 times. You know what that says? It's important. It's God's will and plan for His people to be people of prayer. Brothers and sisters, I say again, Lord, teach us to pray. I say that again. I understand that Jesus has said, my house will be called a house of prayer. And those post-day of Pentecost followers of Christ devoted themselves to prayer. Prayer, prayer, prayer. You know, I, I, I hear this, I say this, I read about this, and I've got to tell you, I've got to tell you that, that when I read about what was going on in the lives of those first century followers of Christ, I get goosebumps. Do you? I, I tingle at, at, at what happened in the lives of those ordinary first century followers of Christ. And I find myself saying this, God, I want that. You see, I find myself saying, God, I I want more. I want more. I've come to a realization in my old life that there is a whole bunch about this following God business that I haven't even touched. How about you? Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47 is a beautiful, telling snapshot of that first church after the day of Pentecost. That simple church. They devoted themselves to the teachings of the apostles about Jesus. For us today, we could say we can devote ourselves to God's Word. They devoted themselves to the Word of God. They devoted themselves to koinonia, loving, caring, sharing fellowship. They worked at it. They worked at it so much that people, people knew them for the way they treated each other. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, probably the Lord's Supper. And they devoted themselves to this life-altering, intimate relationship with God, this open channel that we call prayer. In the fullness of the Spirit with these four simple characteristics 
God used them, worked in them and through them to change their world. The ripples, the ripples are still going out there today. Their ripples. How about us? You see, if God, if God lingers, if Jesus holds off coming back for another number of years, and I'm not convinced that He will, but if He does, I want to make some ripples, don't you? See, I want to, I want to make some ripples that will go out there. And touch the generations to come. Don't you? We still are basking in the light and the ripples, if you will, of their faithfulness. The power of the Spirit. I wonder if God can do it again. Here we are, Lord. Use us. See, I'm convinced, at least I'm becoming convinced, that with God, all things are possible. Father, we approach you today humbly, asking you to make us and mold us into the community of faith that would please you from one end to the other, from one person to the next. The community of faith that You can use to draw others to Your side. Oh, Father, fall upon us as we worship in Jesus' name. Let's stand together. It is the cry of my heart to follow You. It is the cry of my heart to be close it is the cry of my heart to follow all of the lays of my life. It is the cry of my heart to follow you. It is the cry of my heart to be close to you. It is the cry of my heart to follow all of the days of my life. Teach me your holy ways, O
on this graduation Sunday from 6th grade to 7th grade, from high school to who knows what, on this graduation day, I just want to tell you three words, and I hope you believe me. I love you. Maybe that's meaningful, but here's something more meaningful. Jesus loves you. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Embrace it. Live it. Experience it in Christ. God bless these folks. Help them this week as they go out into that world to take you with them and to live in the power of the Spirit. And all the people said, Amen. God bless you. Thank you.